0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GBC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple, to love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. We don't tell anybody, the pastor's gone. This is not just here, it's everywhere. As soon as you, you hear that pastor's gone, it's like the plague. They just... <laughs> so, good morning to one and all. I hope that you had a, a, a decent, albeit weird, holiday, but uh, different as in we've been grounded as a state once again. So, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this morning, you're going to notice right off the bat that uh, I'm a little different than Pastor Tony. Uh, I'm, I'm, I might be a little more chill, uh, as in stylistically, so bear with me. What we're talking about today is shifting gears into God's promise and the first thing is obviously we had thanksgiving now anybody that took general history you know that thanksgiving was a celebration of what a harvest so the ability to say thanks is an implication that you were given something to be thankful of you're tracking so all the way back from the origination of thanksgiving and how it was established, it was to celebrate the fact that they had food, that they weren't starving. It was a feast to celebrate. So thinking back on this week, Thanksgiving is a result of having something to be thankful for. So if I were to hand you a gift, our initial humanistic response for most of us is thank you, right? Why? Somebody gave you a gift. And so, thinking in that, in that term, there has been some opportunities for us to grow and realize that we have been given spiritual gifts from God that already reside in us. Now, there's Christian lingo that we talk about sometimes that you hear... About the promise. Have you heard about, I mean, how many times in church have you heard somebody say that we're holding on to the promise of God? Right? What in the world are they talking about? Well, from cover to cover, the Bible is filled with promises, it's filled with nuggets of information that you and I can hold fast to. And so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, What we're talking about today is shifting gears into the presence of God. And so as we move into this message, I'm going to pray really quick. And then we're just going to jump in. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for giving us this opportunity just to dive in and open up the word of God. I pray this morning any foolish words that come out of my mouth will be forgotten and die off and will be blocked in the name of Jesus. And only the words that you have so ordained for today will be brought forth in the name of Jesus. You know, I've heard after some have have experienced COVID, that there is almost a relief of pressure because you have built up an immunity at some level physiologically to getting it again. So there's almost this relief after getting COVID that we go, okay, I can breathe because chances of me getting again are unlikely. So if in the natural we can have a sense of relief because we know naturally, physiologically, our bodies can create resistance to disease and infection, how much more in the Spirit when God said that greater you and I can do because the Holy Spirit, I mean, the Holy Spirit that resides within us. So how much, how much more resistant can we be with the Holy Spirit? Now, Psalm 91, we broke down the last night of our life group. We had a great time. And there's a phrase that you might hear in church that the word of God is its own proof. Now, first thing you'll know is I'm more on the teaching side. I love the word of God. So you'll learn the end of Psalm 91 mentions the road to salvation. It's David's foreshadowing of the future. So what David is breaking down in the end of Psalm 91 is, and you'll hear it, this is God's perspective. And he's saying, because you've called my name, because you believed in your heart, I'm going to rescue you. Now, doesn't that sound a whole lot like if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved? So the word of God is its own proof of Validity. Are you tracking? So there's a couple of things as baseline that we're going to establish first. Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to be kind of dancing around Joshua. No, I'm not going to read entire chapters. So some of this is is just an opportunity for us to to have some reference points. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid. Now, here's something moving forward into this next season, into this next shift, whatever church lingo, verbiage that we choose to use. Moving forward, be strong and be courageous. Now, the first point that I want to make to you is I propose this. That it's the same that when God, the creator of the universe, used his voice alone and by his breath breathed life into existence. So when he said, Let there be light, what happened? Life happened. Instantaneously. Now, when God said, I mean, let the sea be separated from the land. It happened. So, number one is this. Shifting into the presence of God, shifting gears, moving forward. You have to know your identity and who you are in God. Is proportionately linked to our ability to link our heart and our inner spirit with the heart and the spirit of the Father. So, here's another way of saying it. Intimacy with God will create an identity in self. Does that make sense? So, when he says, when when you're reading the word of God and it says be strong, be courageous, God is not expecting you to conjure up magically some existent thing that isn't there. Are you with me? So here's another way of saying it. When he says be strong and be courageous, it's the same as when he said let there be light. He is a creative God that does creative miracles on a daily basis. So when you're reading the word and you feel like you're on the verge of a mental breakdown, you feel like depression is just right at your doorstep, I want you to know this one thing, that when he speaks to you, the word of God is a living, breathing thing. When you read the word of God, time does not erode God's promise because it was 2,000 years ago. That does not negate the validity of the word of God today. So when it says be strong and be courageous, that is God performing an instantaneous, I mean, courage, strength, an instantaneous creative thing on the inside of us to be Courageous. Be strong. Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Whose might? His. Yours? His. Be strong and courageous the power of His might. In the power of His might. So remember how I said that the Word of God is its own proof of validity? Here again, Think of the years, the years, uh, time that, that passed from cover to cover with the word of God, and it doesn't contradict itself. So once again, it's all relational to our intentionality with intimacy in God. So our ability to be intimate with God is directly linked to the outcome we experience in life. When I'm mentoring and helping young worship leaders, there's something that I like to tell, uh, tell them, and, and that's this, and I'm gonna share this with you, and it's free. Every preacher says that, isn't it just like? So, and I tell them this, that your private life will always make the public stage. If you want to be more anointed, you want to be able to operate in God's anointing more, we're going to walk through some actual steps today. But the private life will always make the public platform. So how we live in, the, in private, it will show up. You ever sit in a worship service and it, it could have been while I'm leading one time or you just have a funky week and it's just off and it's just dry More times than not, the reason for dry worship, either independently or corporate, is because on some level, we have not been intimate with God in private. So, shifting into God's presence. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to give you some reference points in Scripture, and we're going to move forward. So, if you just look at the basic difference between the way that Moses led and the way that Joshua led, you can see that it took Joshua, I mean, uh, 40 years years—to of Moses's leading to, to finally get to where he needed, uh, he developed into the leader that the people needed. So Moses was more diplomatic. He was more more of a political kind of leader. He sat and patiently listened to people. Uh, Joshua was more of a stop being lazy and just do it, right? So you see more of a militant mindset with Joshua than you see with Moses. So Joshua 1.1, Moses dies, and God is telling them, now it's time to go and get this promise. And so I know Statistically, there's at least a couple here in the room that you're holding on to some promise that you know God has given you years ago, that you still have not seen fulfilled yet. Here's the awesome good news: is that time does not erode God's promise. 600 years before this point, God started telling the children of Israel that they had a promised land. So 600 years later, Moses dies. Joshua 1.1, 1, 1. Moses is dead, and now he says, hey, go take the land. So there's some key elements here that we're going we're to look at. He's tell, God is telling the children of Israel that no man can stop you, no man can, can prevent you from receiving his promise, which is an indication that it's all God. So shifting gears... Romans 12, verse 2, says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is that important? Because moving forward, I have to change my mindset. Have you ever noticed that our feelings track the brain, follow the brain, and the brain follows the mouth? So if we want to change the way we feel, I have to change the way that I think. If I want to change the way that I think, I have to change what I'm speaking. So in order to change my mindset, my mouth has to do an active change. Are you with me this morning? So if you're tired of feeling the way that you feel, there's great news for you. It's all subject to change. If I've learned anything, is the only thing that's constant. Babies are still going to be born, and people are still going to die. Life changes. So, how do we move forward then? Shifting into God's promise in the cultural climate that we are living in today is going to take us moving from a mindset in the flesh to a mindset in the spirit. So being more kingdom-minded means that I am removing myself from thinking about fleshly things and looking through every situation through eyes of the flesh. And I'm going to start moving into a place where I'm looking at situations in my life through the Word of God and through the eyes of the Spirit, not what I physically see. And sometimes it takes repeating verbally actually doing something with our mouths to change the way that our brain is thinking so that that can transfer to the way that I'm feeling here's some real life application anybody battle with depression okay both of us good so <laughs> good can i give you some real life advice if you're battling with depression in a real way Here's some actual physical steps. Because sometimes we go, well, just get over it. <laughs> that was my dad's thing, you know. We'd be getting ready for church and my dad would say, grab your shoes and we're going, I'm like, man, I'm, f- I'm just feeling sick. My dad's favorite line to all of us boys were, well, go throw up and then get in the car, you'll feel better. <laughs> and so, just get over it, rub dirt in it, you're fine, kid. So sometimes we miss the application And so here's some application for you. If you really battle with depression in a real way, because there have been days where in the past where I'd I'd have to talk myself into getting up and putting anything on. Take one step at a time. Take one task at a time. If you're battling with depression in a very real way, please listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. (laughs) Number one, get out of bed. If you can't muster up anything else at that time, Train your brain to think, right now, I'm just worried about getting out of bed. And then after you're up and get out of bed, make your bed. Number one, it's another task that you've accomplished and you can look at physically and see that you did something. I made the bed. And the other thing that it does is it kind of is a preventative measure for us jumping back in. And here's number three... Get ready for the day. Women, if you got your makeup that got to, you got to, you know, lip whatever. As, as a kid, I remember watching my mom do her makeup and betting like in the 80s, like there'd be like the heavy eye or the lip liner and then a bright red. So, hair up. To, so, whatever you got to do to make yourself feel good, shave your face, women, get rid of the beard, whatever, <laughs> whatever you got to do. My point is take one task at a time and accomplish it. Get ready for the day because there's something mentally that happens when you're dressed and you look good and you feel good. Then it's easier to start quoting scripture, it's easier to start diving in on a deeper level. Okay, now I'm out of bed. I've accomplished some tasks for the day. We're starting to feel good, right? The word of God is living and breathing. So to shift into a militant mindset is required in shifting into God's presence. We have to move into a mindset where I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. Can I give you, here's another real-life application as an example of transformation versus conforming. Thank you for the help. So if I'm conforming, it's like your teenager that, that their room is trashed, but the rest of the house is clean. When they exit their room, they conform to the rest of the house meaning they'll grudgingly put their dishes in the sink where they go, put, right? But as soon as they get back to the room, since there is no real transformation, they're just conforming temporarily. temporarily. I'll talk right by the time we're done. So the temporary conforming is the same thing that we do when we come to church and we feel like I always have to be okay. We feel like I have to come in and put on a porcelain mask and make sure that everybody thinks I'm smiling and I'm good. And I was raised in that kind of mindset. My dad would smack us, all of us boys in the back of that. My, you can already tell. I knew that my parents loved me, but I was terrified of messing up, right? So dad would pop us and be like, why aren't you smiling? Because you hit me. <laughs> Listen, I don't care if you look happy. And so we come into church and we feel in our adulthood that we still have to come in and look happy. It's okay if you're not okay. You're in the right place. If you're in a position in a place in life where you just feel like you've been beat all over the ring, I, I got great news. You're here. You're in the right place. And it's okay if you're not okay. Because enough time of getting around positive people and starting to transform the way that we think, starting to transform the way that we speak, the shift happens. Our perception of everything changes when I can think of life from a, king, a kingdom mindset and I'm not concentrated on the flesh. So when we're talking about the children of Israel, the Israelites, they wanted all these things and answers without the intimacy with God. So if you look at even Moses' leadership model, Moses was intentional about coming into God's presence. Even the people of God, I mean, the the children of Israel, they knew that Moses was having an encounter with God when they would see smoke come from the tent. They would all stop and look, but not participate. So when Moses was having a real encounter with God, if you want real change in life, it comes from a real encounter with the Father. A real encounter will bring out real change. That's why when Moses walked down from the mountain and to watch them build, create alter, uh, idols and they're worshiping false gods, They all had the same accessibility, but it was the intention of the heart that was different. Moses was intentional about setting time for God. The children of Israel were just participants, they were not participants. So, shifting into God's presence, our application of being intentional and intimate with God, blessings will naturally flow. Peace will naturally be one of the fruits we experience. Now, here's something that it's going to require. I want you to stay with me. Don't fall asleep yet. Shifting into this next gear is going to require roots and not legs. Moving forward in the cultural climate, a terrified world needs a fearless church that is going to stand up and absolutely unequivocally preach the word of God. Unaltered, not watered down. And it's going to require people living the life that they can look at you and not question if you're a Christian. That people can see from the fruit, from the results of our life. That he is my father, and how I live at home is what you see here in church. This is not a masquerade. We really do, when things are going all wonky at home, I really do bust out my guitar. And my older sons that play music, yeah, grab your guitar, dude. Tell Caleb, my 16-year-old, grab the hey, sit on the piano, and we, we worship at home in the living room. Why? Because things are wonky. He can fix it. When I have no idea what to do, I get into God's presence. When everything else is upside down and you are absolutely clueless as a parent, as a husband, as a a wife, just as a person, you feel utterly clueless. Dive into God's presence. Peace is there. Peace is not the absence of chaos. Peace is the presence of God in the middle of all the chaos. This is good talking, I'm telling you. So shifting into this next season is going to require roots and not legs. What do I mean by that? Imagine if children were to jump from home to home and go from parent to parent to parent to parent parent without really getting settled into a family we would create some really weird kids. They'd be weird. They would. So we have a lot of weird Christians rolling around because we've never actually settled under one pastor. We've never actually settled into where God wants us. We've just been bouncing around on our legs and not creating depth and roots. Whew. That hits you in the good. Creating roots means that I am planted here it is going to require being planted, not hopping from place to place. Growth happens when you're planted, not constantly moving. Does that make sense to anybody? I'm not pleased. Please hear my heart with this. I desire to see God's people awaken to who you really are, knowing that your place in the kingdom, knowing that your heavenly father is madly crazy in love with you and he desires nothing but the best. But to receive it, to step into this next season, we need to get into the presence of God. The children of Israel They knew about God, but they didn't know him on a personal level. They heard stories from Moses, but they didn't have any real life interaction. So if you're one and you're sitting here, and maybe this kind of rings home that you can say that you have very little real experience in an intimate way with God. is Again, great news. This is why the gospel is good news is because everything is subject to change so that we have an opportunity to get into the presence of God and let Him fix and change, correct, anything internally that needs to be fixed. Let Him do it. So here is the prime question for today. The prime question is this. Without provocation... Without having Pastor and uh, Pastor Tony, Pastor Kelly, if you've never sat into a, a, a prayer night with them, I challenge you to come out on a Wednesday night when we're praying. Because you could come in and really not, not in the mood to pray. I'm going to be real, even if I'm the only one. There's times where I'm sitting there and this is, I'm here, thank you, Jesus. And then Pastor Tony and Pastor Kelly, they get to praying, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and all of a sudden, you just get sucked in, and next thing you know, you're praying and weeping before God and boohooing and snotting. We just have a good time in God. So without provocation, without having Pastor Kelly, Pastor Tony, to suck you into God's presence, without having the worship team to draw you in, can you enter into God's presence on your own at home? This is the key question. Can you Find the vein of the Holy Spirit, the river, whatever church vernacular you used to. We can even break it down to, can you feel God at home? Second question is, is it repeatable? Can you duplicate feeling God's presence at home? If you can answer yes to those two questions, then you absolutely know, on, on, like, when life changes on a dime and you are in a mode where you absolutely are desperate for a word from God, you are desperate for God himself to come down and reach his hand into your situation and turn things and actually breathe life and create miracles in your life. If you need that and you can say, I know how to feel the presence of God, enter the Holy Spirit, the, however you want to say it, and you know how to duplicate it you can have instantaneous results. Are you with me? So we're talking about the children of Israel and they're moving into the promise. So for time's sake, I'm just giving you bullet points and I challenge you to open up the word of God at home and read into this. And if there's ever something that a preacher says that you question Approach ask, look it up at home. I mean that just doesn't seem right explain let's talk because no one can work out salvation for anybody else. We do that independently, so what does that mean? That means you have to be absolutely convinced for yourself of what the Word of God says, not because somebody told you what to believe, not because somebody told you what you should be thinking but Does that make sense? You with me? All right. So Joshua chapter one, Moses dies. He tells him to move forward. Joshua chapter two, this is where stuff starts to get interesting because he's starting to prepare the people. What's the end result? The end result is Joshua chapter six, when walls of Jericho come crashing down and they can enter into what God has promised, right? Right? But there is a road to get there. There's many different gears that have to be shifted into before you can just power into the final. Now, in the military, I was an equipment operator. So I can operate anything with wheels, tracks, all of them. So when we were talking about shifting gears, I was like, dude, we can start talking about semis. We can talk about power shifting. We can talk about, I mean, you get out of gear and you're in a big rig you have to come to a complete halt and then restart. There is no finding another gear, right? So I'm going to calm myself because right now I'm thinking of anything with wheels or tracks and how it applies. So however you have to think about shifting gears, what does it look like to you? The easiest way possible. Shifting into this next season, shifting into what God has, is going to require us to find God on a regular basis. This is why sometimes I'm asked to come do work, to to do worship for people, and I'm mediocre. Now, listen, I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm really not. Please don't, don't, I've had people come up to me afterwards, like, hey, no, listen, man, (laughs) I don't think you, no, I, hear my heart. As a musician, I've played around a lot of musicians. I'm mediocre, right? I've played with people far better. Man, I met with one of my, uh, my spiritual mentors yesterday, and him and I were chatting, and that dude is phenomenal. So then why do people ask me? All I can tell you is I rely heavily on the anointing to cover up what I can't do. I know how to tap into the presence of God. I may not be able to tell you every note that's in the circle of fifths. But I can tell you right now, this second, if I jumped on the piano, I could create an atmosphere where God shows up now. When my wife is having one of those off days, she ain't here, don't tell her I'm saying this. (laughs) She stepped out, so she doesn't have very many Oh, my mother-in-law's here. She's going to tell her anyways. (laughs) She doesn't have very many, but if she does, she will start playing worship music and she'll get into her office space because I made her a little office because she does, she runs a business. So she gets in her office and she just turns on a sermon or a, a worship and she will start doing it on her own. Why? Because she knows how to get to where you're feeling God's presence. So here is a couple of things that we're, I'm just going to highlight. Joshua chapter two, he mentions about purity, about purity. Just a, hey, this is my Bible. Look at this. Can you see it from back there? Those who need spectacles. It's highlighted, underlined, color coordinated. Why? Because when I say that I dive into the Bible in the word of God at home, when I'm desperate for him, this is where I find the answer. So, Uh, And I don't care if you do it on an iPad because now they get all fancy and you can highlight scriptures on your iPad. You can from your phone, whatever you got to do, dive into the word of God. Amen. So Joshua 2, he's starting uh, preparing the people for going into the promised land. So he's talking about purity. And this was a time to get ready. This is a time to prepare for what God has for this next season. When it's time for war, military leaders will say, sharpen your swords, polish your shields, get ready. I've served in the military, and, and I, I, here's my first experience with stage fright in combat. No joke. We're in an MRAP, and we're in the middle of our very first firefight. This kid's probably 19 years old, and he's in the turret with a, with a 240 Bravo. And when you start hearing the tings off the MRAP, he literally peed his pants. And the vehicle commander grabbed him by the vest, ripped him down, commanded somebody else to jump up there, rack, and get, get going, man. Why? Because when we were training, he was always goofing off. This is 100% real. He was always goofing off. And so when it came time and it was jammed, he didn't know how to fix it. He, he couldn't, when the 240 was jammed, he couldn't fix it because he never trained hard enough to actually tear it apart and rebuild it and fix problems. So then natural humanistic emotion comes in and he wets himself. So then what, what happens? Somebody who actually knows the weapon had to get in there, tear it apart. Fix where it's jammed. Doesn't just takes a couple seconds when you know what you're doing. So when the Bible says that as uh, Christians, you and I, iron sharpens iron, that is an indication that we ought to be training together. And whether you call it training, whether you call it doing life together, the vernacular doesn't matter. Are we engaging in a daily basis so that you and I can start to encourage one another. Forsake not the assembly, the gathering of the body, the edification of, uh, of the body, and the uplifting of the saints. I got it twisted a little bit, sorry. So what does that all mean? That means that you and I should be able to encourage each other. Do life together. Iron sharpens iron, sword, hit, and sword. Well, we're diving into the word of God together. Ask questions. Purity is getting right with the Father. All righteousness is, is being in right standing with God. The end, the end of Psalm 91, I told you, kind of was foreshadowing into the mode of salvation. Confess through the mouth, believe in your heart. Boom, you're saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. What if you confess through the mouth and believed in your heart that your situation would change at home? What if you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that healing can be instantaneous? What if you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart and the two lined up? What you're believing in your heart, what you're thinking in your head, what you're speaking out of your mouth, what if those all line up? You'd be dangerous. No, I mean dangerous. Can you tap into the presence of God. Now don't feel like this is a condemning word, and I pray that it doesn't come across that way. But when Joshua was telling the people to consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He was getting them ready internally. Getting them ready internally. Confessing sin, it's laying aside hurts, laying aside offenses. It was I mean, lifting their hearts towards God, trusting the sovereign I am, Alpha Omega. I mean, he is the king. He is the end all be all. When I was a kid, pastors would come up and he'd start talking about Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom. He, I mean... And that's just not funny names. This is who God is. And the question that I have is who is God to you? Who is God to you? I was raised with a a father that I knew loved me. So the idea of an earth or a heavenly father loving me in that manner wasn't that far off. It wasn't that far of a reach for me to think that there really could be a heavenly father that loved me and cared for me because my dad and I have always been able to talk. I've, I've, always, I've always known he loved me. Now, my dad was one of those people that was like, yo, son, I told you I loved you once. I meant it. He told my, my mom when they got married, I loved you, or, I said I love you when we got married. If that changes, I'll let you know. So then how did I know that he loved me? Through his actions, because when he got a new car, I was seven, 16, 17, He gave me the new car, and he took the hoopty I was driving. Might not have given me this big sloppy hug, saying, I, I mean, I, "So, what is my point?" I'm not trying to rabbit trail. I do that. Thank you, Jesus. So, what, what I'm saying is, if you have an earthly father that is loving, sometimes it's easy to see God as a loving father. But if you weren't blessed with an earthly father that loves you and you grew up with that unconditionally, sometimes it's harder for us to really believe that God is crazy, madly in love with you. And if you don't get anything else, I want you to understand this, that he created you you for a purpose. In order for you to even be here, God Himself, the God of the universe, that by His breath He whispered into existence, in light was separated from darkness, in land was separated from sea. I mean, this same God literally had to breathe life while you were in your mama's belly. So the love that God has for you was shown on conception. Think on that. The love God has for you was shown extensively and conception alone because he had to have breathed life. God is crazy, madly in love with you. If we are not familiar with being in God's presence, sometimes it can feel awkward. It can just feel awkward. But if we're familiar with being in God's presence, there's a comfortability and a level of peace that comes. Because man, I I can find God. I'm not begging him to come where I'm at. I'm chasing him. One of the best pieces of, of advice when it came to worship music, I was like sixteen, I sat down with a well-known gospel recording artist, and we were just talking. Because back then I was just doing playing the saxophone in studios and, and, and he said, how I stay relevant is because I never ask for God to bless my music. I ask him to show me where he's blessing and if he blesses country music and that's the new shift, I'm there. Boots, hats and all because I'm going where God's at. So if we change our mindset and we change The lens in which we see things. And instead of it being all about me, it's all about him. It's easy to shift into this next season where we have to rely on being in the presence of God. Now, there's there's this next part of the story. Stepping into and not talking about. Walking in the promise and not living with the promise. What's the difference? Living with a promise is believing that one day it just may happen if all the cards align correctly. If I pray hard enough, maybe I'll kill that giant like David. If I'm good enough, then maybe one day God will bless me and and I'll actually feel loved. Maybe, 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 one day, if I, one day, maybe, one day, maybe, one day, maybe, when I'm living with a promise, I'm holding it like a present that it might happen one day if everything aligns perfectly. But if I'm living in God's promise, I'm walking in it now because God has destined me to be here in this moment. And it's all about him not about me so it's not on how good i can be it's not about my giftings or my talents it's all about him and if he is a central focus and i'm living in the promise that i'm walking in it my speech changes because i'm not talking about maybe one day if i'm good enough i'll be healed maybe one day if i'm good enough all my kids will be saved sanctified filled with the holy ghost maybe one day if all the cards align correctly then i'll finally get what god has promised. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. When I'm walking and living in the promise of God, I believe it's for right now, not someday, maybe in the future. So the lens by which you see everything will change when we live in and not hold with. I'm not holding it, putting it on a shelf. It'll happen sometime. No, man, God spoke it. Do you believe that the word of God is the actual word of God. Do you believe that this is actually God's voice speaking to you and I? Then it shouldn't be that hard for us to know that not only are we loved, but he wants the very best for us. The very best. So we don't have to live in lack. I don't have to live in in Poorsville where... We always feel like I should be blessed, but then jealousy comes in because jealousy is me thinking that I deserve it more than you do. So when I see somebody else get blessed, you, you can call it whatever you want to, but you're jealous. When you see somebody else is blessed and you're like, must be nice. That's jealousy because you don't think God can do that for you. If you knew that God could do it for you and you see somebody else that's being blessed, you just go, man, high five, praise God. I'm dude, that's awesome. My reaction changes. You hear me? Your reaction changes because your heart is in line with the father. And because he's not a jealous God uh, or a God that promotes jealousy, but. He's a loving father. So. In my clothes. I'm going to ask a couple of questions again because I'm just one of these people that I love to ask questions. Verse 15 says, And soon as those bearing the ark came as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the water. The waters coming from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away and those flowing down toward the sea were completely cut off and the people passed the opposite so what happened the priests were holding up the ark of the covenant the ark of the covenant was the physical representation of the presence of god so walking with in the presence of god they stepped in the water and they came to the shore and when their feet touched the shore with the presence of God a, a, some invisible type dam happened downriver. the water dried up so they could cross getting into the presence of God will literally change everything literally change everything I know that we're living in a time to where everything is uncertain, the cultural climate is harsh. And you may feel like you don't even want to tell people that you came to church. Charles Spurgeon talks about a story he was and if you were in the life group, you heard this. He was walking down Dover Road in London And Charles Spurgeon was pastoring in London at that time in 1854. And so he is literally walking down the streets of London, and he said that day after day, he had to go to the sick. He watched all of his friends, all of his family die off one by one by one by cholera that swept across London. And he said, right when he was at the point of falling ill and dying off just like everybody else, he passed a shoemaker's window and he saw that there was a paper jammed in the window so he unpulled it and it was the Word of God and God's promise. And he said, because of the Word of God that was read at that moment, I then had the strength and vigor to continue every funeral every day. I went by the bedside of the sick every day and never contracted it himself. And we can sit and encourage ourselves a story after story, but here's where it matters. And this is my final question for you is who is God to you? Not because you heard stories of other people, because of your own encounter with God. What is the perception? What is the idea of God that you have? Some of us are using language that we shouldn't use. And I'm not just talking about swearing. If what I'm speaking out of my mouth is not what the Heavenly Father thinks of me. If what I'm saying isn't what He has said about me then I really need to stop. Speak what He thinks of you. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. He created you for a purpose with love. It was intentional, not just a mistake. So moving into this next season, the challenge that I'm going to leave you with is that if you don't already know try this for 60 days and if it doesn't change come back and and let me know purpose to have a real encounter with God every week and once you can do it weekly, up it to daily watch the change that that will take place in your life it will change your children. One of my kids was having, they have these emotional meltdowns. And it, my kids are the only ones apparently. So, and something odd happened that, that I was walking by the bedroom and in the middle of a meltdown, my wife was trying to console and I'm not loving by nature, so I knew it was God. Just go in and love on her, okay? So I went in, hugged, loved, start speaking life, praying. You know, it changed instantly. And then the next day, when there was another one, they were like, "Where's Dad?" God will change. Literally everything in our world. Literally everything. So I leave you with this. Not only do you have a heavenly father that loves you, here at GVC we love you, and I love you. One of my favorite things to do is go up to if you're a guy, do this. I do it. Do it. I do this to my buddies. I'm like, yo, I love you. <laughs> they get weird. I'm like Thanks. I'm like, no, don't sidestep it. I said I love you. And I'll call them, be, hey, man, I love you. And they get weird. They do like, I'm, I don't know. Uh, ditto. I make them. Don't tell me. Do you love me? Jim, do you love me? I love you. So try that. And see how weird your friends get. So I'm going to pray and then we are going to call this a, su- a successful service. In the name of Jesus, I just pray that you will go uh, in front of and prepare the way for each individual person. I pray that you will show yourself in a very real way to each and every person that is under the sound of my voice. That they can walk away, they can have an encounter with you and they can find their true identity, they can find their true worth, their value, what you think of them, how you think of them. The amount, the depth, the width of, their, of your love for them will be shown in a mighty way this week in the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. All right.